There's a story of an inexperienced preacher who was asked to do a gravesite burial service at the local cemetery of a man who had no family and he had no friends. So not knowing where the cemetery was, he made several wrong turns and he ends up getting lost. When he eventually arrived at the cemetery, an hour later than he was supposed to be there, the hearse was nowhere in sight, the backhoe was next to the open hole, and the workmen were sitting under a tree now eating their lunch. Well, this diligent young pastor went to the open grave and he found the vault lid already in place. Feeling guilty because of his tardiness and being that he's a man of his word, he decided to give his message anyway and he preached his heart out. As he returned to his car, he overheard one of the workmen say to the other workmen, you know what? That was kind of odd. We've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years, and I've never seen anything quite like that. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't understand, he preached to a septic tank. Amen. You're a little slow, but you're worth the wait. <laughs> well, I know you appreciate my jokes. I do tell the best jokes you will ever hear. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, earlier this year, I did a sermon series on the book of Exodus, and uh, we went through the first 15 chapters of the, of the book of Exodus or so. But during this uh, sermon series, I did a segment, a small segment. It wasn't really attached to a message. I just kind of addressed it within the message. I did a segment on what is known as the mark of the beast, specifically as it relates to the COVID vaccine. And much to my surprise, I have received more requests for that little snippet of that message than any other message I think I have ever preached. That little snippet... Uh, obviously helped so many people understand the truth of what God's Word says about the mark of the beast. So that tells me that this is a subject that there are, there are a lot of people interested in, and many of us, I, I, I hate to say it, but we're just flat out confused because there's some teachers of God's Word that care more about sharing their opinion than they do about sharing truth, and I've talked about that. And they can do what they want. That's between them and God. I don't have to answer for them. But unfortunately, it has muddied the water a bit for the rest of us. As you can imagine, this really blew up a few weeks ago when our president issued the vaccine mandate. The words, Mark of the Beast, instantly came to the headlines again in Christian circles. And I watched many people that I love begin to panic. Now, your opinion on receiving the vaccine is completely up to you. I will love you regardless if you are vaccinated or unvaccinated, but we're not talking about that today. Today, we're going to be answering two questions for the sake of the nonsense that's been circling around. The first question that we're going to answer is flat out, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? And number two, what is the mark of the beast? The Word of God answers both of these questions, and it's very clear. And once you see how clear this is, you're going to ask yourself the question, how can there be so much confusion over this? Because it is so clear. So with that in mind, I want to start with one of the most abused passages in Scripture that a lot of people are using to defend their position. It comes from Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 4 
and verse number 6. We're going to get into the mud today. This is more of a teaching because this is so important and I see what it's doing to God's people. We were going to start a series called Movement 2040 today. We're going to actually start that next week, but I really felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me to pause that and address this first because so many people are battling fear and we don't have to be. I want you to be free from that. So here we go. We're going to start reading this from verse, uh, we're going to start reading this at verse number one to put it in context, Hosea chapter four and verse one. Um, which uh, putting this in context is extremely important here, but verse 6 is actually the abused verse. So if you don't have your Bible or Bible app, you can follow up on the screen. So here we go, Hosea chapter 4, starting at verse number 1, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God. Remember those three words. There's no knowledge of God in the land. There's swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Verse 3. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet no one can yet let no one contend and let no none accuse for with you is my contention O priest. Verse 5. You shall stumble by day So he's talking to the priest here. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. Verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Father, for the next few moments... I just ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. God, I ask that you would anoint me. I need your anointing, God, to preach your word. For Lord, if you don't anoint me, these words will fall flat. They will be void. But God, if you anoint me, these words will change and transform lives. And so God, that's what I, that's what I ask for today. I ask God that when the people leave this place, that that spirit of fear is gone and that we will leave this place different than when we walked in. And so we thank you for it in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's look again at verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It goes on, but typically we put a period there and we call it a day. I've seen signs, even here in our community, with this scripture on it here in Green Bay to defend a, one position or another. There's actually one of them over by my house, or it used to be. So a lot of people quote this scripture and they stop right there. They put a period at the end. And I've heard people share their opinion and then they use this scripture to back it up. Basically what they're saying is, you know, I have an obligation under God to share the information I know. I have an obligation under God to share my knowledge because after all people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. And so they speak their opinion, which more often than not has a hateful undertone. I think we've all seen that. And they do so in the quote unquote name of the Lord. So, what is this verse saying? 
Well, you have to read on. The answer to this comes in that next verse. It says, because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. Here in Hosea, God is speaking to the priests that had neglected God's word. And they have turned from his law, which meant the priests no longer obeyed him, and they started to do things that they thought were right in their own eyes. Because of their leadership influence and their leading people, they eventually lead people down the same road away from God's word with them. And we see the sins listed in verses 1 through 5. So this means, what this means is that when God's word is neglected, when it is ignored, or when it is twisted, then the people will walk in darkness and eventually be destroyed. The word knowledge here has absolutely nothing to do with you and I sharing our opinion. It has absolutely nothing to do with you and I sharing what we think is right and wrong. It has everything to do with sharing the truth of God's Word. It has everything to do with knowing what the Word of God says for yourself so that you can discern a truth from a lie. You see, the Word of God is like a measuring rod. Everything you hear from every Facebook post or social media, what every teacher online should be compared to the Word of God. Everything you hear from me should be compared to the Word of God. Don't just take my word for it. The Word of God is our final authority. I am not your final authority, and neither is any other voice in your life. The Word of God is your final authority. It is the ultimate truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says this about the Word of God. It says, all Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The problem is many people don't know what the Word of God says. They don't dig and research for themselves. They just believe what Farmer Joe down the road posts on his Facebook page because it's got a pretty little scripture with it. And we share it. And because we don't understand what the Word of God says, we are unable to discern, we're unable to discern knowledge of the truth. We don't have a knowledge of the Word of God. And we begin to hear people's opinion, and then it causes fear, and it causes panic, and the fruit of that is confusion. Now, you can believe what you want. I've said this before. It makes no difference to me. You can believe every conspiracy theory under the sun if you want. I mean, that's completely up to you. I love you regardless. However, have you ever asked yourself, what is the fruit that I am experiencing from believing this stuff? I have personally found, I'm just speaking to this from personal example, I have personally found that focusing on this stuff instead of the truth of God's word leads me to fear. 
I've walked down this road many times in the past. The fruit of believing all of that stuff is fear. And God's word says he does not give you a spirit of fear. So I wonder where that's coming from. It's not coming from God. So question number one, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? First of all, I don't care what your cousin's uncle's dad says about it, and you shouldn't either. What does the word of God say about the mark of the beast? That's all I care about. I just care about the truth. What is the truth? We just have to read it. This is one of the most simple things in scripture, and it's very overcomplicated. It's overcomplicated because of us. The Christians have overcomplicated this, not the unbeliever. The unbeliever could give a care less about end time stuff. The Christians have overcomplicated this stuff. And we think that we have to find hidden messages in everything when God says, man, I, I just, this is simple. This is eternity I'm talking about here, guys. I want you to understand it. So you just have to read it. There's a few scriptures that talk about it. We're going to read first Revelation chapter 14 and verse 9. And this is what I touched on in a previous message. It says, And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So it's a big deal. This mark of the beast is tied to something. something it's a, this is a big deal. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. Now watch. These worshipers of the beast and its image, and, and whoever receives the mark of its name. I want you to know that when the mark of the beast is finally offered, you are going to know without a shadow of a doubt what it represents. It says very clearly, they will worship the beast and receive his mark. Not just receiving a mark. This is a decision that we make. This is a decision where I will say, I reject God. You will say the same thing. Most people seem to ignore this in Revelation chapter 14, though, and they focus only what is found in the previous chapter, Revelation chapter 13. Let's read that. And it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, so there will be no distinction on person here, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. There it is again, right hand or forehead. So, verse 17, now watch, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number, for it is the number of man and his number is 666. Now verse 17 clearly tells us that no one is going to be able to buy or sell unless they have this mark. So that's a very real detail. The problem is people have for years, Christians have for years pulled this little scripture out of context and then anything that comes along and has a, has a tendency to maybe one day impact our buying or selling, it's accused of being the mark of the beast. You see, the thought with the COVID vaccine right now is if you don't have it, 
You won't be able to be employed. I just seen that on the news again this morning. You won't be able to go into certain stores, etc. And so we take this scripture right here and we say, I cannot buy the things I want to buy. I cannot sell things I want to sell. Mark of the beast, run. Never mind what it says in Revelation chapter 14, which we just read a minute ago. And guys, I want you to know something. This is nothing new. If you look at history, this is something I've been dealing with this since I was a kid. If you look at history, this panic and fear of the mark of the beast had been going on since way back to the early Christians. Again, it's because we lack the knowledge of the word of God. And so it's, it leads to destruction. We, we let this fear and this worry overtake us and it destroys us because we lack knowledge, not of someone's opinion, but of the word of God, of the truth. The early Christians, they rejected the Roman, Roman coins because they thought the Roman coins were the mark of the beast. The reason, was, the reason for this is that the, the, the coins were stamped with the image of the emperor, and the emperor at that time was believed to be divine. So the early Christians obviously reject that. They say he's not divine. There's only one that's divine. But they were required to use the coins to buy and sell. So the, Jewish, the, so the Jews create, end up creating their own coin as a sign of their separation from Rome, their authority, and their beliefs. But they believe strongly that these coins were the mark of the beast. Why? Because it impacted their decision to buy and sell. Credit cards. Some of you might remember this. In the 1960s, credit cards were the mark of the beast. In pamphlets circulated by Christian groups, they warned people to resist getting a credit card, which would include an identifying number and could be indispensable for one day buying and selling. Now listen to this. Among their arguments was the claim that when the number 666, which is identified as the number of the beast, as we see that in Revelation chapter 13, now watch this, when that number was broken down into the Roman, Greek, and, and Babylonian alphabets, it, it appeared to spell out the word visa. Now, we look at that today and chuckle, and we think, how ridiculous is that? But I, this caused, at this time, it caused great fear and panic among the people of God. Seri this has seriously happened. It caused great fear and panic. Barcodes. UPC barcodes became widespread in labeling goods in the 1970s. Again, what's a barcode attached to? Buying and selling. The kickback on barcodes was so bad that many rejected them due to the fear of the mark of the beast. And the creator of the UPC barcode had to address the concerns rejecting any claim of biblical significance at all within the codes. Social security numbers. A few years ago, a Christian fundamentalist named Donald Yeager disavowed his social security number, believing that, that it was being identified as the number of the mark of the beast. He later sued, true story, sued an electric company in Pennsylvania when it refused to process an application he had filed without a social security number. He claimed his religious rights were being violated. We're hearing a lot of that lately. A district court and later an appeals court disagreed with him, and all of that could have been avoided if he would have just simply understood the truth of God's Word. More recently, you probably heard of this one, the microchip. 
Now, the microchips have been used for decades in animal identification. Some of you may have an animal with a, with a microchip implanted. They have been offered to humans in recent years. Now, this technology, they say, has the potential to replace your keys, car keys, office keys, ID cards, event tickets, medical records, but it's also raised some concerns about privacy and potential for mass surveillance. So, so some legitimate concerns there, I understand it. However, numerous people have pushed this to be the mark of the beast, taking into account that one day it could be required to do what? buy and sell we could go on many things basically what history has shown us that if it's attached to buying and selling it's accused of being the mark of the beast and the fruit of that has been panic and fear and it seems to be something new every year and I remember this stuff as a kid, and I would hear people talk about it, and I would just go, I mean, I would, as a kid, kid, you're hearing this stuff, Mark of the Beast, and you're hearing about all this stuff, and you just, you panic. And I see everybody else panic too. Why? Because of, there was no knowledge at that time. I had no knowledge of the Word of God. And it's so simple. I want you to know that Satan has a history of taking a partial truth and twisting it to keep you in fear. He did the same thing to Jesus in the desert. He twisted the word of God. So how do you respond when someone twists the word of God, when someone is speaking a false, uh, a, a, something that is false? Now watch this. This is a perfect example. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. This is the temptation of Jesus in the desert with Satan. It said, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he become very hungry, became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, look at what he says. He says, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and I will give you all of the authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give everyone as I please, I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus looks at him and he says, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 9, then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. Now look at this, verse 10, for the Scriptures say, just because someone quotes the Bible does not, does not mean they're from God. Just because someone posts a Scripture on their Facebook wall does not mean that they are from God. For the Scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, but the scriptures also say, this is knowing the full counsel of God, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him for the next opportune, until the next opportunity came. Do you see that? Jesus knew the word of God. And because he knew the word of God, he had the knowledge to combat the lies and the twisting of Scripture. 
God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They are destroyed because they don't understand and know my word for themselves. So the mark of the beast, according to scripture, not according to Matt or Matt's opinion, according to the word of God, when the mark of the beast is finally offered, you will know. It will be a clear allegiance to the Antichrist. All you have to do is read Revelation chapter 14. You will pledge your allegiance to the Antichrist, and as a result of that decision, you will then receive a mark that identifies you as such. It'll be a clear decision on your part that will say, I value my life more than God. Jesus gave his life for you and I, and when this happens, if we're still alive, we will have to make the, the same decision. We'll have to make the decision to do the same thing for him. The mark will not be some trickery where Satan says, Gotcha! Ha <laughs> ha! According to the Word of God, it is a clear allegiance to the Antichrist. It will be your decision to reject Christ and follow the Antichrist. That's what the Word of God says. You can believe what you want, but that's what the Word of God says. It'll be a decision you have to make, and you will know what you're making when you make the decision. Now, for those that have already died to their flesh and they're serving others, it's going to be an easy decision. I already know what my decision is. My decision's already made. Worship the beast? No, just send me home. I hope this knowledge brings a little clarity. I just want to encourage you with everything within me not to allow yourself to get distracted by this stuff because the fruit of it is fear. God does not give you a spirit of fear. Recognize who that is coming from. So now we'll finally answer the question, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? According to what the word of God says, it is not. And it's very clear. You are not surrendering your life to the Antichrist, and you are not receiving a mark that will identify you as such. You're getting a shot in the arm. Now, could it be tied to buying and selling in the future? Anything is possible. It does seem like we're headed in that direction, but according to what the Word of God says, it's not the mark of the beast. Again, you choosing to get the vaccine or not is completely up to you. That's not what we're talking about. I'm just trying to tell you the truth of God's word, giving you knowledge regarding all of the nonsense that's going around so you don't personally have to live in fear. Now, this leads us to question number two, which we already answered, but I just want to make sure it's clear. What is the mark of the beast? According to the word of God, the mark of the beast is a mark that a person will receive on their forehead or on their right hand. That's what Revelation chapter 13 and verse 16 says. Now that to me that's very specific and it's very clear. I believe God made it clear because this is a pretty big deal. <laughs> this has to do with eternity. Notice it says nothing about a shot in the arm. It says nothing about a card you carry in your wallet. It says nothing about a chip that's implanted under the skin. The mark of the beast will be a visible identifying mark that will either be placed on the forehead or the hand because it's difficult to cover up. Now watch this. This is going to blow your mind. The word hand is translated from the Greek word cherios and it means hand. The word forehead is translated from the Greek word metapon, and it means forehead or front. 
So this is very clear. There is no hidden message here. There should be no confusion on this. This is an identifying mark. So you will be able to look at a crowd of people and instantly tell who has the mark and who doesn't unless they have it covered by clothing. I would be able to look out among, the, among all of you guys and see very clearly, unless you have your head covered, who would have the mark or your hands are down. Or, I'd be, it's a very visible mark. I remember, I liken this to, to when, I was, when we were in Colorado, we ministered to a lot of gang members there, and the, the gang members would oftentimes have tattoos that would identify them with the gang that they were affiliated with. For instance, the Serranos would tattoo themselves with SUR 13. It would look like this, and so you would see SUR 13. You'd see it on buildings and all this stuff, but you would see this tattooed on a lot of individuals there. The Norteños would tattoo themselves with the Roman numeral 14. It would look something similar to like some similar to that. You'd have the eagle, and so any the, the 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 number 14. You would see that a lot. There were these were the two primary gangs that we worked with there. So you could easily identify the a gang affiliation of a person just based on their tattoos. You didn't even have to talk to them. I could just walk up to someone and I knew instantly which gang they were with just based on a tattoo they would have on their neck or on the side of their head or something like that. I remember when the gang task force came into the church to educate all of the leaders because these are the people that we went after with our buses. And I remember the presenter telling us that they always, when they arrest an individual, they take very special note of the markings on their skin because people can't hide from that. He said it's almost like they're giving themselves a license plate. He said they could change their outside appearance, they can change their name, etc., but they cannot hide from the marks on their skin very easily. He said they have actually arrested many people over the years that have been pulled over in traffic stops and things like that, and they've altered their appearance very well, but their true identity was revealed by the marks on their skin. The mark of the beast will be something similar to this. It might be a tattoo, it might be a branding of some sort, nobody knows for sure, but it will be a mark on your forehead or hand that will be easily identifiable. The mark will quickly identify the people that have openly rejected Christ. If you have the mark, it's because you have openly rejected Christ. Now let's read Revelation chapter 14 and verse 9 again. Another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So this will be a choice. This will be a choice that you make to openly worship the beast, or in other words, it's your choice to openly reject Christ. And with that decision, you will receive a mark. This mark will tell everybody your decision, and this is where the rubber will hit the road for many of us. The unleashing of the mark of the beast will very quickly and rapidly separate the lukewarm Christians from the real ones. This event will separate the wheat from the weeds, as Jesus talks about. Because refusing the mark, if you refuse the mark, it will, it will mean that you have pledged your allegiance to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And because of that decision, as we see, 
you will not be able to buy or sell. Which means life is going to get extremely difficult and painful. Your flesh will begin to suffer and suffer greatly. Your family, because of this decision to follow Christ, will probably suffer. Basically, you are choosing to suffer and die for Jesus just as he did for you. It's where the rubber hits the road. And we find out who's real and who's not. You see, to get to that point, to make a decision like that, your faith has to be real. You see, your flesh, which is temporary, and this is what we have to understand, will suffer. But your soul, which is eternal, upon death will be in heaven where there is no more suffering. There's no more pain, no more death. And it comes down to the question, do I really believe that or not? If you reject Christ and and take the mark, your flesh, which is temporary, will have a sign of relief. It will have temporary comfort. But your soul, which is eternal, will be tormented with fire and sulfur, as we see in Revelation. Your soul will be tormented in a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, as we see in Mark chapter 9. You will be away from the presence of God, the one you rejected forever. Every person will have to make this choice. But you will know the choice you're making if, when, if and when we all get to this day, we might all be gone and the next generation deals with it, I don't know. But you'll know the choice you're making when you make it. it. This will not be some trick, guys. You just have to read the Word of God. Basically, it comes down to the question, the same question we all have to face right now, do we accept Christ or do we reject Him? What's your final answer? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God has provided a way for every one of us to get to heaven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He provided a way even through our sin. And he provided a way because he loves you and I so much. People have asked me the question, Pastor, how could a good God send anyone to hell? Boy, I reading about the wrath there in Revelation. How could a good God do and do that to anybody? But I want you to know the truth. The truth is, He doesn't send anyone to hell. We are the ones that choose it. God provided a way for us to escape it through Jesus. And we have the choice to accept God's gift or to reject it. It's our choice. God gave you the choice where you want to spend eternity. He doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose hell by rejecting him. The price has been paid for every sin you have ever committed in your life. The question is, will you accept that price that price that has been paid, will you accept Jesus or will you reject him? And it's as simple as that. It's the choice of accepting Christ or rejecting him. And I believe that there's some people here in, the, here in this room this morning that you need to accept Christ as your Savior. You've been running from him. You say, how could God ever forgive me with all my sin and all my junk? That's what Jesus died for, was all your sin and all your junk. And God loves you so much that he would send his only son to die on that cross, to take your penalty, to rescue you from hell. 
And I believe some of you in here today, you need to get right with God. I believe there's some people in here today that you need God in your life and you need him in your life bad. You feel like there's something inside of you that's missing. You feel an emptiness, a void, and you've tried to fill it with with money. You've tried to fill it with relationships. You've tried to fill it with hobbies. And you wake up in the morning and you realize that emptiness is still there and it gives you temporary fulfillment and you, you, you sense a, a fulfillment temporarily, but then it goes away. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. He is the only one that can complete you. And so today, before we leave, if that's you, if you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with God. I've been rejecting him. I've been running from him. And today is the day I need to get my life right with God. I want to give you a chance to get your life right with God right now in this moment before we leave this place. And so here's what we're going to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here today and you're one of those that say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. Will you pray for me? I want to pray with you today. And just so I know who I'm praying for, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you say, Pastor, will you pray with me? I need Jesus Christ in my life. I want, to, I want you to lift your hand up into the air so I, so I can see who I'm praying with today. All over this room on the count of three, I want to see your hand. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, to, to forgive us of our sins. The Bible calls it repentance. All over this room, I want to see your hand on the count of three. I want to know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Right now, just put them up. Put them up. Yes, yes, I see them in the back. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand back there. Yes, two hands just went up right over there, over on the side. There's several hands. Thank you, God. Over here on the side. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Now, those of you that just lifted your hand, what you're telling me is you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. This isn't just something we do and we go back out and we, we just we forget what we've done. This is a decision that we make that when we leave this place, you say, you know what, I'm going to do my best now. I'm not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up, but I'm going to do my best now, God, to live my life for you. Please help me. So if you just lifted your hand, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer right now. I'm going to say it slowly because I want you to repeat this out loud after me. The Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth, Verbal, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, then you will be saved. And that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to say this out loud after me. Those of you that didn't, I encourage you just to say this with them to encourage them today. But I want you to say this loud and strong. We're going to pray this together today. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I confess that I'm a sinner. I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And today, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior. And I thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sin on the cross. I surrender to you thank you for saving me thank you for setting me free today I am yours and you are mine in Jesus name and everybody said amen can we celebrate